live with the Wash Boys. Now, from high atop the Camelback Towers in Scottsdale, from the Star Worldwide Network Studios, George Odin, partner of Arden Advisory Group, and Jonathan Kierman, Executive Vice President of Superstar Car Wash, talk all things car wash and more. Now, your hosts for Car Wash Confessions with the Wash Boys, Jonathan and George. Well, welcome to this week's edition of Car Wash Confessions with the Wash Boys. I'm Jonathan Kierman with Superstar Car Wash, and my co-host, George, is not here today. And um, he sends his regrets and apologies to our listening audience. He couldn't make it, but I said, you know what? We're just going to move forward and do our podcast anyway. And uh, I'm not, I, I, I do have a confession this week. I was sharing it beforehand. My, my confession is just got back from a European trip, and it was a river cruise. And I do not need to eat anything for like the next two weeks because not only did I have three meals a day on the cruise ship, but ate my way through Europe. And I'm not feeling like that healthy right now. So I, I said to my wife, if I got a cholesterol test right now, I'd probably break the scale. But that's my confession for this week. Um, I do want to say thank you to Welcome Matt, um, at one of our sponsor. Uh, we're very grateful that they sponsor Car Wash Confessions with the Wash Boys. But that's not why we're here today. We are here today because we have a, a tremendous guest. I'm thrilled to welcome Melissa Latham. Melissa is the president of GRN Low Country. They are a retail recruiting um, agency based out of Charleston, South Carolina. And I could talk for hours about Melissa. Um, so my other confession is, and all full transparency, Melissa and I have known each other since 2008. Is that right, Melissa? About, about then. Um, yeah. we, we've worked together um, for, at three different retail companies. And not only do I consider Melissa to be a mentor, but she is a very, very dear friend of mine um, as well. But she, not only does she do retail recruiting, but she is, uh, in my opinion, um, very well educated and knowledgeable about what's going on in the retail industry in general. And I really thought it would be great to have her on as we're in the midst of the holiday season to talk about what's going on in retail and then really kind of deep dive into you know, hiring and what's going on out in the, the, the marketplace today. And then ultimately, like why somebody would give Melissa a call to help her, help them, their business with um, getting people. So, Melissa, welcome. It's so good to Thank see you. you. Thanks for joining yeah. us. You so too. why don't you tell our, you know, our audience just a little bit about yourself and how you kind of went from, you know, this, your start to becoming the, the president of your own re recruiting agency. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Um, so, you know, I started a long, long time ago, just like you did in, in the world of retail, back when things were very different in the early 80s, and um, started in stores and progressed my way through, never really having an end goal of saying I, I wanted to achieve everything that I did. I, I just, I didn't see that far down the road. Worked with a lot of fantastic national retail organizations that people would know, met a lot of great people and people that really pushed me to, to do more and to take on more. And I think that's what really propelled me there. 
So after 35 years of doing that and reporting to CEOs for the past 13 and the board meetings and, 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 you know, I took a little pause right before COVID hit. So the timing was very, I think, very interesting, but it might have been a little divine intervention to really get me to think about what did I want to continue to do? And I decided it was time to move away from the corporate side. I had done everything I wanted to do. And I wanted to lean into what I think caused my success, which was always the team that I built around me. It was always about the people. And I learned very early on to be extremely thoughtful about those that I invited into my inner circle and to be on the team and how they were the absolute direct result of of my success and the organization's success. So, you know, I thought in my retirement, (laughs) I might want to get into talent acquisition. So that came a little quicker. I'm certainly not retired, but there were other people that were that I had worked with that you know as well that had um, decided to launch and open an office. And after some due diligence, I said, I'm going to jump in with both feet. Yeah. It's scary at this part of your life and at this age, but you know, if 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 that's what makes you happy and you're going to be talking to people all the time and helping them on their career journey, it's a mutual payback. So we started July 27th of 2020. We're in our fourth year. Um, We've grown to a team of five. I have people on both coasts and we've developed a pretty nice list of clientele. And we help people in the private equity sector, privately held, publicly traded, large, medium and small, predominantly in the retail world. So that's what got That's awesome. So um, I know the answer to this question. I think I know the answer to this question. Um, But, you know, as you look back over your career and the things that, you know, personally made you successful, was there anything that you employed um, during your time in, in retail that set you up to be in this position? You talked about the people, but just in terms of what it really is about in terms of attracting and finding good talent. You know, when you started asking me that question, a woman named Laura popped in my mind. And this goes all the way back to 1986. She was the first person I ever interviewed. She's the first person I was ever allowed to hire on my own uh, back when I was in a store. And though she was the sweetest person on earth, she was just not the right hire for the business, for the organization, and for her own success. And I learned from that moment on how I need to um, really approach talent, ask better questions, give more scenarios, and really listen for those cues and for the right answers. And if they're not right, you have to be able to say they're not right. You may love them, you may like them, you may want to be friends with them, but if they're not going to be right for your business, you have to learn how to say no pretty quickly. Um, I also think that networking is is a skill that you must develop and love and have a passion for. And as you know, you know, I used to walk around with my little black notebooks before. This is where I was. This is where I was hoping you were going to go. This is where I was. This is where I was hoping you were going to go. Okay. Yeah, because I had done that at one of our national sales meetings. I, I brought every field leader a little black book. And we didn't have LinkedIn and we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have all those things. And it was make two friends a day. And I and I still use that phrase to this day. Make two friends a day. If you're in a mall, go walk the mall and walk into stores and introduce yourself. 
And it's not about trying to recruit. It's just about meeting people and gathering that information and aggregating it. And not only that, but following up. Go back and see them in a couple of months. Go have coffee with them. You never know where that beginning of a relationship will take you down the road. It's it's really quite amazing. So the networking component of it is tremendous. You must fill your pool. You must fill your pool with people that you can pick up the phone and call when an opportunity comes along. Yeah. Starting with an empty pool is painful. Yeah. And it's productive and it puts time in the process and and companies lose money, you know, because those roles aren't filled and other people are doing them. So I think the networking piece is so important. Be very, you know, be very clear about expectations and what you're really looking for when you're chatting with people. Be okay saying no, right? Because you're doing them a service as well as your own organization. But never stop having the conversations. Yeah. There's something else that, you know, I you used to talk about a lot, and I think it kind of ties into it as well is, is you know, and, and again, you came from a mall-based business, but I think that this, you know, um, can extrapolate itself out to whether you're in a strip center or, or for our audience, you know, car wash operators, wherever you are, is like, be the mayor of the mall, yes. you know. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I, I You know, it, it resonates with me because I've heard you say it so many times, and I, I live by that as well. But, you know, what does that mean to you? That means that people know who you are. And they, in in a very positive way, in a genuine, authentic way, that they know who you are because you spend time outside of your location because you're interested in the community. You're interested in who else is in the center, what's happening, what's new, who's coming, who's going, um, who can you help, who do you need to ask for help. But physically getting out and walking, even if you're in a corporate office, you have to do this too, right? Yep can't just be about typing an email or sending a text. You need to be that physical presence. And how do you get involved? If you're in a mall, for example, you know, I used to sit on the board of directors for one of them. How do you get yourself involved that will also benefit your business that you're supporting as well? So people need to know your name and they need to remember. Oh, I remember her from, you know, the Carolina Place Mall. And anybody listening to that knows North Carolina knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, I love that. So, you know, um, in your current job, uh, obviously, you know, networking for you just to build your own business, I'm sure is critical. But you've always, I think, prided yourselves on being, you know, very uh, knowledgeable and an expert in what's going on in retail. So we're in the middle of the holiday season, all this noise for the last couple of years about what's going on in the macroeconomic space. Like what, what we're halfway through December to, you know, mm-hmm. Christmas is a week and a half away. What What's right. happening out there right now? What are you hearing and relating to consumer confidence and not necessarily translate itself to the car wash industry, but just in general, like what's going on out there? Yeah, no, I can tell you. So I'm going to refer to some of my notes here because I wanted to have something to really share with you in the audience. And, and so this is me extrapolating, you know, what I know, what I've read, who I'm talking to. So I, I don't want it to say that this is, you know, going to translate into everybody's financial results. But for the month of November, um, retail sales were up 0.77%. Okay. Right? There, I think there was, as it continued coming out of COVID, 
right? And then recovering from COVID, we had this natural inflation. And then the next year, you, it was tough to go up against those numbers. I think there was a question about 23. And, you know, the whole trepidation of what's going to continue to happen. So I think flat to up very slightly sales in November, you know, uh, bodes well, right? So for December week one, this is regarding traffic. Traffic was actually up slightly. Conversion was down, units were down, but ADS is up. So I think that speaks nicely to margin performance too. Um, what I found really interesting are the categories, where the traffic is going. That was my question. Yeah. That was my question. Yeah. Where, where, so, what are people buying? People, number one, health and beauty. Really? Yeah, health and beauty sector was leading. Yep. Um, and that's not surprising to me because of, I think, that just grew exponentially during COVID, right? People were home, self-care. That self-care thing is still really important. Second uh, best was apparel. Nice to see that. Followed by footwear. Jewelry was flat. Home. Now, this has been an interesting topic, too, for over a year. The home sector is, has declined because mm. it spiked again during COVID. Everybody yeah. was nesting and building their offices. And so those numbers really scaled up. So home was down about, I think, 4% in traffic. And then technology was down, too. Mm. And, you know, that's always been a pretty, I think, a reliable, consistent industry, right? Everybody's buying yeah. their televisions or their computers, and, and that was down a little bit as well. So for the 23, 2023 holiday, the projection is $966 billion in sales, which equates to about a 3 to 4% increase in sales. And that's, that's extrapolating like auto and gas out of that, right? So they kind of segregated um, those results. So I think from a, a performance standpoint, it's going to come in pretty much what I heard as earlier predictions in the month of October. Um, and I think that's a, a fairly positive thing to, to know that we're still having slight increases. It's still going in the right direction. But I think the order of the categories and industries within retail is continuing to move, right? Yeah, like that's going down, health and beauty going up. Yeah, I, I, that was that was really what I was the most curious about. I'm not surprised, and I think you're absolutely right. It's definitely that COVID effect. You know, people already yeah. took care of their homes. They they right. purchased those big electronic items. Everybody's got you know the the basics pieces, but the whole taking care of yourself and apparel. And so, my two questions, and you may or may not, you know, this may be anecdotal, but one is. Do you find that um, or do you think that people are being heavily promotional this year as opposed to where they were, you know, in the past um, in those categories? And, and second, which is more an observation on my end, as also a student of retail has been, it seemed like inventory levels, especially on the apparel side, were significantly better going into the holiday season this year than I had seen, you know, in, in previous years. I agree. I think inventory level levels are um, definitely at a better uh, level than they have been previously, which should, you know, if you have the traffic, that should naturally translate into better performance. Um, what was the first question? So sorry, the one you asked me. Oh, right heavily now. promotional. Oh, heavily promotional. So that's interesting. I, from what I've been reading, I haven't read anything that says, indicates one way or the other. I'm, I, I, I'm not hearing that thing. We're having to flush out inventory, so we're being overly promotional to try and get rid of it before year end. I have not heard that, so I would say it's probably not escalated. 
Interesting. So, you know, I, I, was, I don't shop at Ulta. I'm not an Ulta customer, but I do have, as our, our audience knows, three daughters and one of them um, FaceTime me when I'm in Europe and it's like, dad, Ulta is having 20% off everything in their store. They never, ever do that. So um, I, I was curious, you know, is that possibly driving some of that health and beauty number? And again, could just be a one-off with, with Ulta, but um, it'll be interesting, I think, what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks and, our, you know, uh, in terms of uh, as traffic continues to escalate, as we know, this will be a, a busy shopping weekend um, yes. for, for Christmas. Yeah. So you know let's, can I t just give you two Yes, more please. Questions? Go ahead. No, go. Yes. No. Um, <clears throat> I think I would I would say there's a lot of movement happening in the industry as well, right? So if if you've been watching, there's just a lot of acquisitions that have gone on. And that seems to be a real big theme in 23. So Sycamore continues to expand their portfolio tremendously. So this is in the private equity space. Um, authentic brands, their portfolio is just tremendous at this point. I think their last one they took on was Reebok. How about Macy's? Have you heard what's going on with Macy's? That there's bids to take it over and take. No, it over. I haven't heard that. Really? Yes, it is a hot topic of conversation right now. Interesting. The bid for five point eight billion dollars right now, um, and it's a real estate play, and it's very similar. Now, again, this is my opinion. Yeah, uh, they are thinking about the real estate acquisition, but you know, Sears went down that that path too. But I think if um, if if Macy's goes into different hands and goes into that world, I think there's a lot of changes forthcoming, which that's the found, you know, that's a foundation you came from there. You know that. Oh, yeah. Right? That's where I started my career. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> lots of movement and lots of brick and mortar expansion still happening, which bodes very well for the industry. Dollar Tree is putting on 800 stores this coming yep. year. McDonald's committed to 10,000. There are companies that are now definitely moving off the digital space, coming into brick and mortar. The convenience store sector is flying. As I know, yeah. you're having great success in the car wash, and that all goes hand in hand and makes sense. Um, and lastly, I would tell you, there's always a lot of executive leadership movement in fourth quarter, the closer yeah. you get to the year, right? That, that makes sense. One more kind of retail question, then we'll really kind of dig into what, what you do now day in, day out, and that is, what are you hearing in terms of online shopping versus brick and mortar retail? Is it staying static to where it was last year? Does that sector continue to grow? What's happening there? I think online is is continuing to grow, but but I think the the common misperception out in the public is that it's a they think it's a much bigger percentage than it actually is, right? And and, and in some cases it did grow to 30 to 50%. And I know those numbers to be true during COVID because that's what had to have happened. Sure. But that's yeah. kind of reverted back down. Um, so I would say anywhere around the 15-ish percentage, 17, maybe up to 20, predominantly people are still purchasing in brick and mortar. Yeah, that makes sense. So I know that you've done um, some work helping car wash companies find great talent. So you, you've you, you've done work in the space. Um, you know, why should we, whether we're a large company or a smaller one that's looking for talent, you know, pick up the phone and, and call Melissa or you know a, a recruiter to help us find it? Like, what's the what's the selling point when you're talking to potential clients and and, and what do you offer? Yeah. So I would say why think why to think about 
you know, using an outside agency. If you have, if you're in an organization that has an HR department and not a talent acquisition department, that's two different things, right? And the people that are running HR departments are handling a myriad of things, everything from very tactical to like HRIS, employee relations. Uh, there's the whole compliance side of it. It's it, There's a lot that goes into that. Um, but if you don't have a talent acquisition department, what we do is we handle the process from beginning to end because it's a very time consuming process. And that's probably the, the number one reason why, if you don't have this in your own organization to use somebody like us, because of the amount of time that it takes. Um, we're highly connected, right? It's our job to create a database that we can tap into. I have conversations every single day with people that I, I don't have a role for because I want to know them for when I do have a role. And when that company does call me to say, do you have? So we spend a ton of time talking to people um, just to continue to build our own database. Um, people are very fluid and managing this process is not a straight line. It is not, A does not go to B does not go to C. I learned that very early uh, on. And so um, there's a lot of pieces and parts that are always moving, right? There's um, interview times and changes and people's questions and, and thoughts. And maybe I will, maybe I won't. There's, there's a lot that goes into keeping the train on the track, right? And then the other thing I would say too, is we're the objective neutral party in the middle. And I think there's a real benefit to that because I'm an advocate on both sides for the client to make sure that I understand what their needs are and what their expectations are, but also for the candidate as well. And I represent them, but I get the feedback in the middle and mm -hmm. they can be honest with us. They can be upfront. They can share their, their concerns or, you know, what they like about it without having to go to each other. And that's, I think, really very helpful um, to make sure that that feedback is going both ways. So having that neutral party is really important. Um, we keep that process moving. As I mentioned, we also handle all the negotiations. Um, so we take that off the plate of the client as well. And then we stay on. And I think that's something um, that I don't know that everyone else does, meaning that I'm going to make sure that that candidate is ready. Actually, I make sure that they resign if they're actively current. I help them do that transition on board all the way through the first three months. And I have the same kind of dialogue with the client, making sure that both sides are happy, right? This is the right decision. They're both very engaged. Um, so both sides feel like they have someone, I would say, in their corner. But ultimately, it goes back to we are connected. We develop those relationships with people. We can put people in front of you generally within 10 days to two weeks, and we can make this process move at your pace. So, um, you know, for, for those who may have never used, uh, you know, an agency before, obviously you don't do this work free and I'm not asking you to disclose your fee schedule, but can you just kind of talk in broad terms of, of how that relationship works and, and what does it look like in terms yeah. of I'm the client, I'm looking for somebody, I want to engage with you, you know, what's it going to cost me in, in general, general generalities? Yeah. And I would say, you know, it all, it all starts with our, 
upfront meetings because I want people to understand how we work because we we do have a process that's been established and that and that works. And I want to know that that client can put that their faith and trust in us that we will we will deliver on the expectations as we have found it to be successful. Because that I want to know they want to work with us and I want to know I want to work with them. It has to be, you know, it has to be a mutual discussion. Um, if that is the case, and I would tell you that it, it's not a secret because most of most firms operate off the same way. We agree to um, a percentage of first year compensation of the candidate for the role, right? So that, that is how we are compensated. Um, we do require, and some do not, an upfront commitment financially. Um, and that means that we're committed to working with each other exclusively, and that money comes back to you at the end, of course. Um, we also talk about a guarantee. So we want to make sure. I was going to ask. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Is, is it like a ninety-day guarantee? You know, stamp stamp of uh, I guarantee this, or I can return it at, to sender. Right. <laughs> Typically. <laughs> Customarily, I would tell you it's 30 days. That's something that we can talk about um, individually with a client. It, that can be extended, especially if it's an executive or really kind of a, a challenging role to be filled. But we want to make sure that it's right for both parties. And so if that doesn't turn out to be the best fit after that person started, then we will go back and replace that candidate at one time. Um, and that's really the components of it. Um, yes, there's an invoice that comes at the end of that at the agreed upon time. But, um, you know, our work that we do, uh, we are paid for the search, the qualification and the presentation. Um, ultimately, the company's going to make the decision, but we also manage the process for them. Yeah, that's great. So um, uh, you got a great tagline. I love it. You mind sharing with the you know with with our audience you know what what your GRN Low Country stands for or what you specialize in? All things retail. There you go. That includes car washes. It includes car washes. Yes, um, and, and that's basically because that's where I came from, right? Um, and the team that I put together also has a very similar pedigree to me. However. You know, we work in fashion apparel, we work in accessories and footwear, but we work in adjacent businesses, car wash, we work in the packaging industry, um, we're in dancewear right now, um, we have a lot of, we do catalog work. So, you know, when someone said to me the other day, um, and because I think this is important, um, even though I, we're based down here in Charleston, South Carolina, we work nationally, and I even have some clients in Denmark. And someone said to me the other day, well, shouldn't I use somebody who's local to my area? And to me, it's not about the where, it's about the how, right? Mm -hmm. So even if a company, you know, we work with companies out in LA all over, I, I would encourage companies to try to find a firm that can help specialize in their industry. It makes it very easy for me to have a conversation with someone like you or someone in a fashion apparel business because I, I live that life. I walk yeah. in those shoes. And that's really what we think is our differentiator because we're not agnostic recruiters. We yeah. actually did the job. So having spent 35 years working on the brick and mortar side and then transitioning to you know a, a brand new career, what, what's like been the most surprising thing for you in the process? The most surprising thing about doing this particular role is I thought it was going to be, I thought the process would be a lot more intuitive. 
you you know as well. We've been hiring. We've been a hiring manager for 35 years. How many interviews have I gone through? How many decisions have I made? Um, but being on this side of it, I I just am surprised that A does not go to B, does not go to C, and that um, people make decisions and then they unmake decisions. People make up their mind and then they change their mind. Yeah. Uh, people don't stop talking to, it's just fascinating um, that what I saw is, is not necessarily linear, but I probably a very smooth uh, process in all the companies I've been with. It is very different being on this side. So I have learned to not be surprised about anything that may happen. I am very flexible and roll with the punches, but I've also learned to be very prepared. You know, I, I always will have a fair group of very interesting, well thought out and highly qualified people for a client to talk to, knowing that you have to be prepared for that. That's great. That's awesome. So if uh, if I'm a car wash operator or just anybody who's looking to hire that's in the retail world or in you know an ancillary business, they want to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? So a couple of different ways. I would invite them to take a look at us on the website. So that's www.grnlowcountry.com. Okay. Um, I do want to call out as well, we work in all functional disciplines. So what that means is we work in uh, all departments, such as product development, design, merchandising, all marketing, whether it's brand or digital, HR, IT, finance, real estate. So all those disciplines are things that we're versed in. You could find us on LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at mlatham at grnlowcountry.com. All right. That's awesome. That's great. Well, I would love having you on today as I think that you know. So thank you for joining us. Very educational. Hope our listeners have enjoyed it. And you're going to stick around for our last segment here, yes. I hope? Yes. All right. Yes. So it is now time for the welcome, Matt, fatherly advice of the week. And you're not a father. I know that. But I do know that you have kids. And for our audience, this is the time every week where myself and George, I'm going to look over here. He's not with me. Um, share just a piece of advice that either we've gotten, or, you know, or we've given to our kids, that type of thing that we think maybe our audience would like and would love, you know, for you to share, um, you know, a piece of advice as well. So what do you think? Well, I, so I positioned it a little bit differently. I thought I have a piece of advice for leaders out there in companies. That's great. I love and it. A piece of advice for candidates out there. So my advice to leaders one of my former leaders said to me once, when people show you who they are, believe them. Mm. You have to think about that for a minute. But we as leaders can very easily slip into rationalizing, finding reasons why we think this certain behavior is happening. And she always said to me, when people show you who they are, believe them. Right. Don't find don't try to rational rationalize it away. I love that. And that can help you if you're struggling to make a decision. Should I potentially move on for candidates from Barbara Bradley Backard? Who okay. Bradley, she interviewed me. She shared her famous line, which was be more interested than interesting. And though I don't think that she architected that line, it is how she lives her life. And I've never forgotten it. 
And so if you are a job seeker or a candidate, I would I would urge you to keep that in mind when you're having conversations with companies. Be more interested than interesting. That's great. Those are two great pieces of advice. I love it. That's awesome. Well, you know, I I, I shared at the beginning that I just got back from this um, European trip and we spectacular time. The cruise line was great. I had one slight problem with the with the concierge. And and I may have shared this in a prior episode, but but I worked with someone, Melissa, you might know them, used to have this little sign on their desk and, and it just, it, it was very simple. It said, just say yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as I was, as I was talking to this concierge and there was a little bit of a language barrier and, and we had a problem, you know, on this cruise and they were giving me a hard time. And I was thinking to myself, just, just say yes, that's it. You're just, it's not that big of a deal. Just say yes. And so you know, I'm not saying, you know, you say yes to everything across the board, but the, the moral of the story is, as you well know, because you're the person that had that on their desk, is, you know, it's a lot easier, you know, to, you know, think it's changing your thinking. And that's really what it is, is how do you think about it from customer perspective or an employee perspective or your boss's perspective or whatever that looks like. And, you know, if you have that mindset, I think it really makes a difference in how you approach just every interaction with the people that you, you spend time with. So anyway, really good advice. So that we got three pieces of advice from Melissa yeah. today, two, two from <laughs> you and one that I one that I shared as well. So, um, Melissa, it's been great having you on. Thank you so much. Hopefully we can have you on again, maybe, you know, sometime oh, next year. Um, we can talk more about retail. And, and if you have a need for retail recruiting, highly recommend reaching out to, to Melissa at GRN Low Country. So thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Car Wash Confessions with the Wash Boys or Wash Boy. Join us again soon. And I'm pretty sure George will be sitting next to me and we'll be back in the studio for our next episode. Thanks, everybody. Are you ready to accelerate your business by capturing more membership at bats? Introducing Welcome Mat the nation's leading car wash digital marketing platform. Say goodbye to empty lanes and hello to a steady stream of new potential members. Welcome Matt's sophisticated digital targeting helps you drive more at-bats by reaching highly likely car wash members who live by or commute by any of your locations. The Welcome Matt marketing platform provides real-time results of each campaign by connecting to your car wash POS and captures customer data for ongoing digital retargeting for membership conversion. Don't miss out on this opportunity to revolutionize your car wash business. Try our leading car wash digital marketing platform today. Drive success, grow membership. Contact us now for a free demo at welcomemat.com.